0: Bengals on top, a lot, in the underdog slot. But the fact is, the, of the AFC North. A is what they got. Had a twenty fifteen. like been here Chase, you can't That's a crawl, man. Hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. Uh, welcome to the Who Day Over 40 podcast, a long time, long suffering. Cincinnati Bengals fans. Who Day, everybody. Um, if you're following on YouTube, this is the State of the Bengals address. It's why the uh, presidential march came in on the podcast version of this. Uh, It is the official start of the offseason, unofficially. Uh, The Super Bowl is over. This is the first full weekend without any actual NFL football. Um, So it's a time to kind of reset the table a little bit and see where the Bengals are headed as we go into this, you know, 24-25 season. Super Bowl is going to be in New Orleans. There's going to be a lot of talk. You'll see our new logo momentarily in a few weeks uh, with us looking forward to New Orleans uh, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase headed back to Louisiana, uh, the site of their previous glory and hopefully to, you know, kind of cap their professional careers the same way that they capped their college careers. But we got a long time between now and February of 2025. But today is the first step in looking in that direction about what the Bengals are going to do when the official offseason starts here in about two weeks. And it's also Mock Draft Monday. We'll do the official three round mock because PFF is straight tripping by uh charging for seven rounds to be able to do that mock. And so we'll get started here in a bit. So here we go. So a little bit of news and notes. Like I said, the Chiefs uh, win the Super Bowl back to back 25-22 in overtime over the 49ers. That was really like the worst choose your adventure book of all time uh as a Bengals fan. If you're a longtime Bengals fan, there is not a chance in hell you could cheer for the 49ers after the two Super Bowl losses. Uh, you just can't do it. It's just no way that you could stomach the idea of cheering for them. Yet they were playing the Chiefs, our most recent rival in the AFC. And there's not a chance that you could cheer for them. So it was really a Sophie's Choice situation. Date myself, 80s movie. And I'm like, I don't know. Like leading up to the game, I was like, I guess I'm cheering for the 49ers. I can't believe that I actually even said it. I was really hoping for a meteorite or the stadium to collapse like it did in that Batman movie. And both teams lose in a tie. But since that wasn't going to happen, going to my head, I was like, I guess I'm cheering for the 49ers. I really don't want to see the Chiefs win again. Uh, I just, I just couldn't do it. So get to the game, and honestly, the 49ers should have won. They scapegoated their defensive coordinator, but this is a Kyle Shanahan problem. Absolutely, like he gets in those big games and gets to a point, and he just forgets how to coach in second halves. Period. So they should have won that game rather handily. The Chiefs were just running in place, really, in the first half. And then they left the door open for Mahomes to do Mahomes things. And that's what they did. They win the game in overtime, you know, with the damn do, honestly. Usher was the best part of the whole thing. But now, as we reset for the season, they're back-to-back champs looking for the three-peat. And now we're going to see, are the Bengals built to not only win the AFC North, but actually win the A, you know, the AFC and advance to the Super Bowl. And what can we take from the Chiefs and or the 49ers that the Bengals could be doing to solidify their team? So we'll jump into that um here in a bit but we're going to talk about some of the news and notes that have been happening over the last couple of weeks since the season ended. Uh, The biggest news, obviously Brian Callahan takes the head coaching job in Tennessee, which sets off a chain reaction of coaching moves for the Bengals. So Callahan heads to Tennessee and probably something that I noticed and maybe a lot of other people maybe didn't or didn't focus on is that he was really emotional about his time in Cincinnati. Um, Like he praised obviously Zach Taylor, But he also praised the Brown family, too. And again, as a longtime Bengal fan, uh, you didn't really see a lot of that once coaches moved on. You know, I mean, uh, Marvin really was a loyalist to Mike Brown and vice versa. So I think there was a lot of emotion and friendship there in that relationship. But, you know, Callahan wasn't here for that long. But they really, you know, kind of bonded with the Brown family. So he makes his way to Tennessee. Uh, the Bengals thought about going outside of the the bubble, but they didn't, which is a totally Bengal thing. And they promote Dan Pitcher from quarterbacks coach up to for offensive coordinator. Uh, I think he had been the third down uh play caller or planner here for the last couple of seasons uh he was sought after after a few other teams i think he interviewed and with the buccaneers for their offensive coordinator's position last year and i think there was another opportunity to move to the saints but if you look at listen to the um the podcast with dan horde he had said that he had wanted to stay in cincinnati Uh, he didn't really want to move this was you know the, the natural step up in his progression of actually eventually becoming a head coach himself. So he goes from quarterback coach, to offensive coordinator, but primary play calling is still in Zach Taylor's hands. Do with that with with what you will. To be fair, um, I, I guess it depends on how you feel about Zach Taylor and his play calling. You know, I, I think he probably gets a little bit too much shit for it, but also, you know, he, he's going to really have to. Kind of control what's going to happen with when Joe Burrow comes back is that we were actually able to see like the full offense on display when Burrow was out, you know, under center play action, you know, boots, screens, like all of those things that we didn't see. We didn't see as much, you know, empties, five wides and all of those things that Burrow obviously likes, but also puts him in danger consistently uh, because of the inability of the offensive line to hold up over time. So it'll be interesting to see how the play calling changes, if any of that changes. There was another new hire as well as they were going through this. They hired Justin Rascotti as the passing game coordinator. That is a new position that the Bengals are going to have this year. Um, He came over from the Vikings, I believe. And, you know, so that's another support piece in this whole, you know, build the offense back up to try to get it to where it's going to go or where they want it to see and they'll see how it looks any different if it does at all Brad cragthorpe goes to quarterback coach and then jordan kovacs is going to the secondary safeties coach as robert livingston left to go out with prime time out in colorado to be their defense coordinator so a lot of moving pieces only one piece from outside of the organization Last year, we talked about continuity, 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 and we thought that was going to be the thing that was going to extend the Bengals into getting them to the AFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, or and beyond that. And the opposite of continuity is complacency. Maybe the offense got to be a little bit complacent. Maybe the defense as well. And we didn't really see that. But again, it's really hard to judge this Bengals season in a vacuum because of the injury to nine like once his calf did whatever it did everything went out the window and we only got a very short glimpse of what that team looked like with him being healthy before he got hurt again and we had to shut it down for the year so this offseason is really about at least from my perspective hoping that the Bengals don't be like well nine is back so everything's cool and that's really not the case y'all the defense was not great and you lost a couple of key pieces via injury with DJ reader and they just worked the same unit with him and without him giving up all these chunk runs, people couldn't tackle all these big chunk plays over the top, you know, with the new safeties in the back, like there was a lot going on and I'm sure with one more year of experience, it would tend to get better. But if the plan is, yeah, they're going to get better and the nine is coming back, that is an old school way of Bengal thinking. And again, any long timer will know like, man, depending upon it to get better based on how it ended is not a good plan. So I'm very curious to see if the Bengals do anything to try to reverse this trend. All right, so let's look at some of the upcoming dates as the offseason begins to kick in here. The February 20th is the franchise tag window. We're going to talk about that a lot. Yeah, if you're on YouTube, you see why we'll be talking about it. Scouting Combine the week after that uh, from the 27th of March to, March to March the 4th, 27th of February to March the 4th. Uh, I was just telling Goat Killer. Um I used to love the combine like that used to be my jam. I used to watch all the hours of that stuff. You know, I DVR'd and then come back to watch it when I could. And um, like just for the, the Bengals were always picking near the top. So you kind of could find which dude was going to be there so you could go watch their workouts. But man, I was just so into it. And now I I probably haven't watched three hours of combine in the last five years probably you know it doesn't really matter it literally is just dudes and shorts running through tests those relative athletic scores are definitely important and you want to see that and you know you might want to see like oh man dude really looks short and he's actually shorter than he was uh or somebody that you thought was slow you know Was really slow, but now, like, with all the advanced stuff that you can get it later on, you can watch it on Twitter. You don't really need to, like, sit there on the NFL network and watch that. I mean, the most important thing now is really is watching Rich Eisen run the fort and, you know, seeing how that goes. But beyond that, (laughs) watching the combine, eh, whatever, the official league year starts on March the 13th, y'all. And that's when free agency begins. Oh, man, this is going to be a time for the Bengals and Bengals fans. Uh, Get your drinks and your popcorn ready. April 15th, the offseason program begins. You know, uh, people can come in and start working out. And that'll be an important day for the Bengals because it'll be a month into free agency. And they'll have that made made uh, a fairly large decision on two big players, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And then April 25th to the 29th is the NFL draft. I think it's in Indianapolis or Chicago. One of the two. Somewhere up in the Midwest. All right, y'all. So here we go. It's a three-pack of questions, y'all. I know it's usually a six-pack, but it's a three-pack. Let's answer these questions and see how you feel about it, about the Bengals moving forward. Because the answers to these questions are basically the foundation of the offseason for Cincinnati. So if you're on YouTube, you'll see Jason at over the cap. He listed that the Bengals have the sixth most salary cap space going into the offseason with just a shade under $60 million. Um, Everybody's like, oh, well, Burrow, but Burrow's extension doesn't really kick in the next year. So they got some cash to play with here. And we'll be kind of curious to see if they use any of that cash to either sign some of their own players to extensions and or get some, uh, you know, some talent. All outside of the roster from some other teams to bolster this this team up. So the first thing up is that first question, y'all. What do you do with T Higgins and DJ Reader? All early indications is that, TG, or, is that T is going to get franchised, and early in the process, Paul Daner Jr. at the Athletic wrote a whole four piece thing, four days, four different articles about examining this whole T Higgins thing from every single angle. And pretty much most people conclude that he's gonna get the one year write-off just like um Jesse Bates did. Franchise tag, it's about a little under 21 million dollars, and then you ride it out. It would be great if you could get him signed to an extension and lower that cap number. He does have David Magetta as his agent, and you know, that was the same agent for Jesse Bates. I don't know that we're going to uh see an extension, y'all. And so it now it becomes like, well, do you tag him in trading? And that has, you know, on Daner's article, too, it's only happened a few times to begin with. And the returns generally haven't been that great. So do you want to risk trading him to some team probably in the latter half of the 20s? You're not going to get like some early first round pick out of this. And, you know, shoot your chance in the dry, Or do you want to run it back with, you know, nine Burrow, you know, with Burrow, Chase and Higgins one more time? To see if you can get it, you know, because obviously when he plays, he's a game changer. The problem has been the last couple of years, just these nagging injuries, the concussion last year, the hamstrings like it's it's these things that have been keeping him out of games. And you don't know if you can depend on him to be able to be there once he gets into the playoffs and all that. I mean, the dude is an absolute monster. We saw the playoff run. We saw the two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like we know what he is. But you got to get him there and manage him there to get there. And to me, last season, he definitely was affected by not getting that contact extension. Like it took him a little while to get ready. Again, everything's in a in a, in a microscope too because of Nine's injury. But much like Jesse Bates, who it took him a little bit of time to like get over the fact that he didn't get an extension. And then once he started playing, he was balling. You know, hopefully we'll see that with T. I would imagine he skips all the offseason stuff just like Jesse Bates did. You know, because you can't risk getting injured, get himself all trained up, show up right before training camp and be ready to start the season. It'll be interesting if and when Burrow can actually throw a football if he's actually doing the offseason, you know, uh, throwing program with Joe Burrow. But that's probably a little bit delayed, too, because of the injury. So, yeah, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this personally. I am at this point a I'm at this moment. I'm a tag and trade dude. I, that might sound surprising to a lot of people, but I, I'm a tag and trade guy. I, I just, I, there's so many other needs that the team has and wide receivers. You can find them at, uh, and later in rounds. And you drafted Yossi Voss last year, you drafted Charlie Jones. Maybe you could draft and or bring back freaking Tyler Boyd, you know, on a short year deal. So you have two veteran wide receivers while you're ro- working in the, ro- the two second year guys and draft a rookie. And you still feel pretty good about it, especially if you can get a tight end. Like, you know, you, you don't feel that bad with the loss. And you can use that 20 million dollars to fill in some other gaps on your team. I just don't think the Bengals are going to do that, you know. So if I had to rank the order and what I think is going to happen, franchise tag, probably extension, and then tag and trade. I don't think they're going to do it, but that'd probably be mine. And the next player is DJ Reader, y'all. Reader, it's it's weird that there's a little bit of a similarity there. Like when he plays, he's an absolute difference maker, a baller. I, I mean, he changes everything. But he's had, like, two really bad injuries here. Last year he had another injury that had him missing, I think, five games. His first, first year in Cincinnati gets wiped out completely, you know, early in the season. So he's about to turn 30 if he's not already 30. How much money do you want to put into somebody like that? You know, he just had this freaking quad injury now, the same as the one he had three years ago. How much money are you putting into that? But he's also one of your culture dudes. And the not bringing back would be bad because you have literally no decent tackles on this team besides B.J. Hill. The rest of them are either free agents or they suck flat out. So what do you do? Do you go out and sign somebody else and bring them into the system and hope they can perform, you know, 75 percent of him? Maybe you can't just draft somebody. You're not rolling out Zach Carter. He's not the one. So what do you do? See, to me. You got to bring back DJ Reader. And unfortunately, the the calculus of the NFL, him getting injured, probably increased the chances of the Bengals being able to sign him. So from what I saw on the medical NFL Twitter is that he might not be ready until week four. So who the hell is paying him any money in free agency knowing that you're going to have to put him on pup to start the season? Well, the Bengals know who he is. The Bengals can monitor his rehab. I'm sure he's rehabbing with them anyway. So. Why don't you just sign him to a one-year prove-it deal? If he comes in, he plays well and all that, you know you're going to lose him anyway and see if some other team can sign him. And then you sign somebody else in addition too. So, you know, if you give him like a one-year $8 million deal, I think that probably can get him in the door. But to let him go for nothing, I don't think makes a lot of sense. So in my world, you bring them both back you know, both on either the franchise tag or a one-year prove it, they could both be gone, and then there's a lot of money that you're going to, you know, free up to throw someplace else. But, yeah, that you, you got to answer both of those questions, and that'll start with that franchise tag here coming up <laughs> when that window opens on the 20th, because uh, I, I imagine the Bengals apply that tag pretty quickly with T. Higgins. All right, question number two, y'all. Were the Bengals designed to beat the Chiefs but not win the AFC North? And if so, where do they need to add and subtract to compete in the AFC North? You know, the Bengals did very poorly, uh, obviously, in the division games this year. I think only winning the one game against the Browns where it didn't really count, where the Browns were resting all of their dudes. And I'd heard this like conversation happen. It's like, man, you know, say what you will about Marvin. His m- mantra was always win the North and then go from there. Because the North is a completely div- different division than a lot of other t- divisions in the NFL. Physical, pound the ball, run it, stop the run. Like, it's a physical division. And it seems like the Bengals kind of went away from that to try to organize their teams. They're so like, all right, well, we get there to be able to beat the Chiefs, and then we'll go from there. And it smacked them in the face big time where they got trucked in the division, losing all of those games, but the one that really didn't matter. And now what do you do to kind of combat that a little bit? Because let's be honest, the teams in the division, none of them are going to get demonstrably worse. You know, the Steelers will still come back. They're always the Steelers. There's no losing seasons. Like, I mean, we've been through this a thousand times. The Browns, I mean, their quarterback is still a freaking sexual assault there and he might get suspended, but the rest of their team is so deep in other areas, especially on the defense, you know, they're going to be competitive in games and they have the coach of the year for God's sake. And the Ravens made it to the AFC championship game, choked it away like the choking dogs that Lamar is, but they still made it to the championship game. And that organization knows, even though they will lose players, they know how to draft and replace probably better than any other team in the AFC at a minimum. So, what are you going to do to combat that? What are you going to do to shore up your run defense because that's really where it starts, and shore up your run offense to be able to run the ball in those third and manageable situations, which have been the death of the the Bengals really under Zach Taylor. That you you know a third and two is uh, is oh my God you just. You can't get two yards. You can't get one yard oftentimes. So what are they going to do about that? You know, it seems like they're pretty set at the offensive line positions, you know, from left to right on your radio down, you know, I I, I think they're pretty set. You know, maybe you get rid of Cordell Volson. I mean, I, I'm not as been a, a huge fan of uh the center as other people have. But, I mean, Karras is, he's okay. Kappa's going into his final year. Right tackle, uh, Jonah's gone, y'all. Uh, I, I'm, I've am i never really been a fan, but he was at least average over there. Now you have to open up that hole. Do you sign a veteran stopgap right tackle? You can't put a rookie in there. You cannot leave Joe Burrow with one side there where you're not 100% sure what you're going to get. You can't do it. Like I, That would be an old Bengal way of thinking. Like, absolutely, where they would sign, like, oh, you know, we'll get this rookie over there and throw him there and see what happens. Hello, Cedric Aboyu. Hello, you know, Jake Fisher. How'd that work out? So if you're not going to be able to do that, that means you need to sign a veteran, stop gap or otherwise, and maybe they can hold that down while you draft a rookie, whether it be at, you know, 18 or later in the draft and try to develop them. But draft and develop really hasn't been the strong point for the Bengals on the offensive line for... Since Witt left, maybe even before. So what are you going to do about that? Do you get more physical on the offensive line? Do you maybe sign a linebacker? You know, Pratt and Wilson are good, but do you need like a thumper? You know, that dude that can run downhill, that you got to get off the field on third down because in any passing situation, he's going to get freaking toasted, but can get downhill and help, you know, sure up the run at the point of attack. You know, do you do that? Like, I mean, there's so many options that the Bengals have ahead of them. But they need to focus on winning that division. You know, it's it's a big deal. You know, if Hutch were here, he would tell us the same thing. You know, it's three, two yards in a cloud of dust. And the Bengals have gotten a little bit softer, a little bit more finesse over the last couple of years, especially on offense and then defense being able to kind of try to scheme around it. But there was no scheming around it this year. It just caught up to them. And so you kind of wonder what they're going to do to try to fix that so they can better compete in the AFC North. And the state of the Bengals, question number three, y'all. Is Joe Burrow all we need to be right back in the playoffs? I kind of alluded to this before. You know, if you've seen the Super Bowl footage and if you're on YouTube, you've seen uh, at one of the parties during the Super Bowl cast is off. It's a pretty gnarly scar on his hand there. Uh, it looks pretty bad. It looks worse than his knee scar from that ACL, to be honest with you. Uh, so he's not going to be throwing for a while. If the timelines line up, he wouldn't be throwing until like April or May. So, you know, it's a few months before the season. You know, he's studying, working out, doing everything he can outside of that. So you never worry about those types of things with Joe Burrow. You know, he was tweeting during the playoffs and he tweeting during, the, you know, after the Super Bowl, too. Like, you know, it's this, you know, people kind of disrespecting his name. You know, I saw one of those, uh, you know, quarterback uh, ranking polls or whatever, and I think they had a ninth, sixth or ninth. It was way lower than it should be. And again, he's one of those dudes that finds motivation and grudges everywhere. So him being disrespected like this, you know, he's going to come back hopefully healthy as possible. And really be ready to, you know, kind of show the league who he is. That's fine. You know, if you have him and things aren't exploding around everywhere else, you know, they're gonna be in every game. You saw the, you know, the Pack of Games when he was actually healthy, you know, beating the Super Bowl runner up, beating the AFC championship game, uh, or excuse me, AFC division thing at beating the Bills. I mean, fairly badly there, and both of those teams fairly, you know, badly. You know, and they were leading against the Baltimore when he gets hurt. So, you know, I mean, he changes everything. All Everything changes when he's there and when he's healthy. So I, I don't dispute that. But if the pieces around him on the team, meaning the defense, is not where it's supposed to be, and hell, special teams at this point in time because our punters sucks, like you need to make sure that things are proper around as a full team effort. And so that is like a huge part of this moving forward and I hoping praying even that the Bengals don't just fall into this well Nine is back and we don't really need to do that much because Nine is back. I I don't I don't think he's earned that level of respect yet even though he is a very good football player. I don't think he's earned that level of respect yet. I think the Bengals need to make sure that this team is well rounded on all fronts. And to make sure that, you know, everything is in place for him to be able to take them over the top. Like, he is that trump card that, like, okay, if everything is even. But when it gets to the end, like, you know that he's going to be there and be able to make that play to be able to put the team, you know, either win the game, win the playoff game, make the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. Again, y'all have no idea, or y'all do, because you're Bengals fans, you know. You know a second and a half of a little bit of a block there, and we win that Super Bowl against the Rams. You know, Chase is streaming wide open around the field. If he could have just gotten out of the way just a second to be able to toss that, you know, the Bengals win the game and a walk-off. But that's a little bit of pain for Monday morning. All right. Let's get it going, y'all. It's mock draft Monday. Three-round mock. Like I said, three rounds because BFF uh, <laughs> is straight tripping by charging people. All of this money for the mock drafts. It's just insane. So we'll pull it up and you can watch and go along here. Uh there's been a lot of news this week about Brock Bowers and his height, his weight, and the potential of him running almost a six in the forty yard dash at the uh at the combine. That would be uh not ideal for him. To the point where, if, he, if that were the case, I'm not sure if I would even participate in the combine. But, you know, he's a little shorter than it probably looked like. He's a little lighter in the ass than probably people would like. But, I mean, put on the tape, yo. I mean, the dude can play. Like, I don't understand why this is, like, this is such a big deal. So, all right. Let's get it popping. So we'll go to PFF. And do this mock draft simulator. I do on the share screen. Hopefully everybody can see. Alright, y'all. So three rounds for the Bengals. I'm gonna slick the Buccaneers there. Nobody wanted to see that. Ready? Let's get into this draft. All right. Let's get it stopping. All right, y'all. So the picks that came right before us, we'll start all the way from, uh, let's go to, uh, let's start to 10 and go down from there. Uh, let's see. Come on. All right. So 10 was Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle from Texas. Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Quinone Mitchell, the cornerback. Cooper DeGene to the Raiders. That's interesting. Um, gosh darn it. This thing really, like doesn't take the down button very well. All right, let's see. And then we got, uh, let's see, at 14, you know, J.C. Latham, who pretty much everybody's kind of mocking to the Bengals at this point. Um, Latui Latau, that's a thing. Terry and Arnold, that's a thing. And then Jared Vose goes before the Bengals pick at 18. All right, so let's see who's up. Dallas Turner defensive end, you know, there's, there's probably a, a world where they take another defensive end, although they probably need tackle more, um, you know, with Sam Hubbard getting up there in age, he got hurt last year, kind of kept it under wraps, but he was not the same player that he was, uh, you know, they did draft Miles Murphy last year, but, you know, you might want to get a little bit more getting younger there. This Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon, has been definitely a lot of mocked out towards the Bengals. He's got no position versatility because he can only play center. You could probably think about maybe if you could let him to play guard, but probably not. And I guess he would have to take over for Bolson. Uh Or since he's such a good center, you know, Karras is a center slash guard. You know, maybe Karras goes to left guard. This dude goes to center. And then Volson's your first, like, rotational guard off the bench. Um, that might be an interesting uh, pick there. Uh, Jazar Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois, is available at 18. Uh, I'm, I'm running, sprinting in a non-Brock Bowers-like fashion to the booth to uh, make that pick. But let's see who else is there. Kool-Aid McKenzie, Jaden quarterback. Brian Thomas, the wide receiver. He's way overdrafted at this point. Troy Franklin. Lad McConkley, Amarius Mims, another offensive tackle that's been mocked towards the Bengals. Again, if the choice is Newton, then the Bengals have to break a trend since friggin' Big Daddy Wilkinson for taking a defensive tackle in the first round. I'm taking Newton. It's a very easy pick for me. I'm taking Newton. Boom. Roast it. Let's get to round two. All right, y'all. So drafted before Jonah Ellis, the, the defensive end from Utah, chop Robinson, the defensive end from uh, Penn state. I could definitely see him. If he fail, the Bengals taking him there, you know, he can, again, a rotational piece on the defensive line. But if we take a defensive tackle uh, in round one, I, again, I think you're going to have to get cheaper on defense. And they've been working this process of doing that over the, this draft. But again, under this scenario, you would have have to have drafted a freaking or a, signed an offensive tackle in free agency. So under that assumption, you can kind of make your pick here. But, man, it's it's a little bit much. Darius Robinson, I kind of like him. The defensive end out of Missouri. Jermaine Burton. Oh, Roman Wilson. I, if he landed on the Bengals, I would actually hurt myself, uh, the wide receiver, from that school up north. Edge Cooper. Not a lot of great picks here. Uh, The tight ends went off the board already. Um, Man, there's not a lot of great picks here. Um, Christian Hayes, the guard from Connecticut, but I I don't like that either. He's more of a third-round pick too. If you take the top-ranked person on the board here, you take Robinson, and that would be a defensive tackle and a defensive end. I can live with it. Let's go. Round three. So we still have an address tied in, still have an address running back, but you can get at least a running back in a day two situation with pick number 80, uh, Malachi Corley. A lot of Bengals pl- players liked him, too, uh, you know, as a running as a wide receiver that could, you know, definitely uh, has all of the tools. You just need to be refined over a couple, you know, a season or two. Um, man, look at this. Uh, another defensive end. Jalen Wright, the uh, running back. I don't think so. Cameron Kitchens, the safety out of the U is actually a fairly decent safety there. Uh, He could kind of slide into at this point in that Tyson Anderson role where he doesn't play and just plays on special teams. You know, because I think there's going to be a reckoning here at some point on what to do with Dax Hill if he doesn't show better at like safety this year. You know, I mean, again, he played a lot of slot corner at the school up north. And with Mike Hilton going into the last year of his deal, maybe he becomes that slot corner because he does have that versatility to guard wide receivers, tight ends, and he can blitz from there just like Hilton does. And so maybe you look for a more traditional safety uh, and bring him in. But my weird Bengal prediction is that B, I think the Bengals are going to re-sign a safety that... Used to play for Cincinnati one year ago that signed with the Carolina Panthers. I don't want to get, you know, caught for tampering. I'm kidding. Oh, Jeremiah Trotter is there, too, the linebacker from Clemson. That's what I was talking about, downhill, getting him off the field, like that kind of thing. I, I could see that. I'm going to take Trotter here, and that's my draft, y'all. All defense. <laughs> All defense. Now they won't even grade my draft because you got to pay for them to grade it now. I mean, PFF, straight tripping, y'all. Straight tripping. All right. So that's it. So that's where we are, y'all. You know, uh, for me, I think the Bengals, I I don't want to get too excited about the start of this season because you really don't know what's going to happen. And that's a little bit scary, but. when the league year starts and especially that first couple of days of free agency, you know, are the Bengals going to make a splash like before they didn't sign anybody last year and then boom out of the back, you know, Whoa, wow. They signed a left tackle. Like, this is amazing. You know, do they do something like that this year? I know all those Chris Jones rumors are out there. I seen Bengals graphics did that uh, mock up with him in the 95 Jersey. And I tweeted that, you know, they're not, he's not going to sign with the Bengals. Cause that, you know, Zach Carter won't give up his number. Um, You know, and then there's always that rumor, which we kind of not started, but we definitely played into about, you know, Justin Jefferson winding up on the Bengals, you know, because he hadn't signed his extension in Minnesota yet. Bengals have a wide receiver that is obviously not as good, but a reasonable facsimile that you could, you know. Tag, trade, and, you know, trade some picks or whatever, and then Jefferson winds up in Cincinnati. It's a pipe dream, and you would literally be like, well, we're drafted nothing but defense and hoping for the best because (laughs) you'll be paying so much money in wide receivers and quarterbacks at that point. But, you know, it's a nice pipe dream to think about. So let us know what you think. You know, you can drop your comments in the comment section, drop it off on Twitter as well. You know, and you know, let's go, y'all. It's who day? Try not to get too hyped up in the end of February, but you know, free agency, tags, draft, combine, all of that is a good time to have hope. And even though hope is very dangerous, uh, rebellions are built on hope, y'all. So the road to New Orleans starts now. Real talk, I booked my hotel for downtown Cincinnati for three days after the Super Bowl for next year because I want to believe that the Bengals are going to make the Super Bowl and I can be in downtown Cincinnati with all these Bengals fans uh, celebrating that uh, championship in 2025. I did the same thing for this year by the way that didn't work out but it is what it is all right so let us know what you think I said I'm by myself today uh, we might see a few more of these alone pods uh moving forward. That's a whole nother podcast, but we'll see you guys on the other side. Peace and who day everybody.